Leaving the sports world can be a difficult experience, especially if you aren't sure what your next shift is going to be. Judy Gilbert, a former university hockey player and now a business leadership coach and consultant, will introduce you to other athletes who have made the successful transition to the business world. You will hear the tactics that they use to turn their experience into a successful new career and how you can too. Welcome to The Next Shift. Here is your host and mentor, Judy Gilbert. Welcome to this episode of The Next Shift. I'm Judy Gilbert and I'm thrilled to be here with you talking about how you can use the experience you have gained on the playing field to help you become successful in the business world as well. On this episode of The Next Shift, I am joined by hockey player turned entrepreneur, Randy Ewens. After a career in Canadian and European senior hockey, Randy found success in the business world, including an appearance on the Dragon's Den television show, where he convinced all of the Dragons to be part of his startup. He is currently transforming one successful business and helping another startup get off the ground. On this episode, Randy talks about teamwork and how he used what he learned playing hockey to help him find success after the game. Randy, thanks so much for being here today. I really appreciate that you wanted to be part of this. And I think that given your background in sport, there's a lot of insight that you can provide to our listeners as well. So thank you for this. Oh, my pleasure. I hope so. So we've provided an, an introduction for our uh, listeners. and uh, But what we'd really like to hear, and perhaps they would too, is something that they wouldn't be aware of. So tell us something about yourself that nobody knows. So something that somebody would know about me. So I, I would say probably the most current thing that's happening um, is that um, we've had an interesting development. We have a, a company that we're involved in. Obviously, I'm involved in a, in a cannabis business and, and with the Wellington Dukes Hockey Club, but also I've been involved in something called Rhino Sports and Playland. And, mm-hmm. and Rhino, Rhino was a, a concept that I had for a long time. I, I tried to buy the Memorial Arena here in Belleville um, to do a hockey academy, and it, it, it uh, never got off the ground for various reasons. And I ended up meeting a couple of guys who wanted to do a, a Playland kind of thing, and we thought we would merge the two things mm-hmm. together. And and unfortunately, it, it didn't work out the way I wanted. And, you know, and we'll talk about failures and adversity as we get into this. But, you know, the adversity of, of watching Rhino actually did OK. Um, it was it was one of those things that was working, but it wasn't working. And and um, the, the ultimate demise of it has been just market with insurance rates okay. and, and other things. So now we're doing a pivot into something that I'm passionate about, which is hockey. We're turning it into a full blown hockey academy. Wow. And um, so so that's kind of exciting for me mm-hmm. and, and getting um, all these local hockey guys together. And and one of the things that um, we're trying to do is get, you know, guys like Derek Smith, ex-NHLer, and Chris Longo, ex-NHLer, and these kind of guys, and bring them together to have a cohesive unit. And that's probably the most passionate thing. It's one of those things where I'm not really expecting to make any money off this. You know, you, yeah. you put all your effort into something and you're, and you're mm-hmm. passionate about mm-hmm. it. So this is mm-hmm. probably something that's new that no one would know that we're, Good. we're behind. Wow, so. great. Well, thanks for sharing that with us. So we'll look forward to perhaps having some more conversation around that. So tell me, uh, Randy, what drew you to hockey? What, what, what was it about hockey that where you sort of started in your, your sports? I'll, I'll say there's two sports. So it was hockey and okay. lacrosse. Okay. So, so, you know, I was kind of a two-sport guy. Mm-hmm. And, and I think, you know, from your family background, you know, two sports was minimum, you know. Like, <laughs> um, so um, I, I think there's always important for young athletes to have two mm-hmm. sports. And, and I learned a lot from both. And I was drawn – initially I was drawn to hockey just because of Bobby Orr, right? Okay. I'm, I'm a kid watching TV. Mm-hmm. I see Bobby Orr. Mm-hmm. I can remember I was, 
you know, the 72 series, I was five. Um, I remember being pulled out of, out of, uh, kindergarten class to watch the final few games. Um, and I remember watching that Bobby Orr obviously wasn't playing, but, um, that was probably my first idea of what hockey was about. Mm -hmm. Um, it was a big deal. I was learning to do learn to skate at that point. And then the next couple of years I started to watch more and I, Bobby Orr was my guy. And, um, so I, you know, that was, I remember right up to 76 that the last sort of hurrah for Bobby Orr was that was the guy that made me want to play hockey. Mm-hmm. Um, that whole 72 thing when he gets flipped in the air, um, that, that goal. Yeah. Like I remember that like mm-hmm. yesterday. I've probably seen it in replay 150 many, times. Many, many times, yeah. right. Um, yeah. So that was probably the big one. Lacrosse was a different one was where I kind of was looking for something to do in the summer uh, that was different. I didn't like baseball too much. Mm-hmm. I, my parents were... I had a cousin that was playing lacrosse, and I thought that was really cool. He was mm-hmm. in St. Catharines, which is lacrosse hotbed. Belleville, not so much. Yeah. Um, but I, I managed to start playing lacrosse here, and, and Belleville had a, a fairly decent program when I started, and it slowly dwindled over the years. But, you know, there was a core of really good lacrosse players that came out of Belleville that managed to play at a fairly high level. And, and you know, all those things that we learned from that as well. So those mm-hmm. are the two sports that I was good. focused on. Can you share with us uh, your transition from sport into business and, and what you're doing now so give us a little bit of uh, some history around that yeah so i you know i I, my hockey career was pretty um unusual is the best way to put it you know i was a kid that was always probably considered one of the better players in our league in eastern Mm -hmm. ontario at my age group and um i didn't grow um didn't grow like every other kid thought i had a a bit of a medical problem that caused me not to grow as fast and and back in those days in the 80s you know if you weren't six foot it was about about, yeah yeah, you had to be the right size Mm -hmm, at the right time mm -hmm. it was a different so i was a little bit late to the party and um, when i finally started my opportunities i was i was a little older i was 19 or 20 and I really had a a burning desire because of sort of going from being a guy the guy to being a guy that just another guy floating around from team Mm -hmm. to team and and uh, when I started to develop and get better um, I I had some opportunities so I I was playing senior a after university and I took a job with a steel company Mm -hmm. Um, and um, I went out and they let me pick where I wanted to work I, I had choices all the way across the country and I picked Calgary so I could play a little bit of senior hockey out there while I was there it was a good situation for me and um, I started to skate a little bit with the you know uh, just as a black shirt with the Canadian Olympic team it wasn't anything I knew I wasn't there as being part of the Olympic team we were just there as filler but what happened was a guy came to me and said you know you should go play hockey somewhere so I I started my career and stopped my career all in one swoop you know like I stopped (laughs) my my work career with the steel company that I was hired by and went off and went and played hockey so Mm -hmm. I had a little bit of a two-year hiatus from my you know from start to whatever and I learned a lot while I was in Europe mm-hmm. playing hockey. And, and I, I learned a lot about myself. I learned a lot about, about the things that I was probably felt were unfinished in my life that I mm-hmm. wanted to prove to mm-hmm. myself or prove to other people maybe. Um, so I, that, that was a really huge part for me. So when I came back home, it was kind of weird. The economic times were a little bit odd. And, and I, the, the team had changed ownership. And I wasn't sure about going back for another year. And I said, you know, I have a university degree. I'm just going to go get a real job. And I couldn't find a real job right away. I, um, you know, I, I sold TVs for like six months. Um, it was, it was not the greatest. Um, I, I ended up, um, 
getting involved with a newspaper here locally for a little period of time. But in the back of my head, I always knew that I wanted to get into food or drugs or waste. And Mm -hmm. so I started planning, you know, and it came from my hockey career, Mm -hmm. you know, knowing that you had to be resilient and and going through a little adversity. But I planned and was very diligent about where I wanted to be three years, five years or whatever. And um, and by planning that out, I I sort of set goals for myself. And, you know, I had to work. Um, It wasn't easy to get to where I wanted to go but I ultimately got there because of just straight up hard work yeah well and I think when we talk about part of this conversation is around those portable skills or those transferable skills and you you know you you sort of hit it when you said that resilience is is certainly one of them and as a direct result of of your time in sport as well Mm -hmm. and so when you think about that that transition um what are some of some of the other challenges that that sort of presented itself themselves during that transition from recognizing, okay, I'm not going to be playing uh, hockey anymore and I'm going out to to certainly find a mm-hmm. job. And obviously, there, what did that market look like at that time? Yeah, it was, you know, the, the, the challenge was that it happened so suddenly. Mm-hmm. It was it was a matter okay. of the team changed ownership and I lost my work visa. And so I couldn't go back. And I, I probably could have went back in retrospect. I probably could have rolled the dice and just packed my bag and went and just found a team. It wouldn't have been mm-hmm. too tough. I could have easily done that. And for whatever reason, I didn't go. And there's a little bit of regret in me saying I should have went back and played mm-hmm. two or three more years but it, it doesn't matter it's you know it's past now but that was probably the biggest thing because it was so sudden you know like I, yes. I literally I sold my car because I was ready to go and the day I was going to leave the, the work visa falls apart mm-hmm. and the team changed ownership they said well you can come back and there was some Russians that were showing up and all kinds of stuff that was kind of weird and I just sort of said you know let's I'm time to move on yeah. and uh, so it, it was really starting with nothing. You know, I, I had no, no belongings. I had a little bit of cash that I made and uh, I had nothing. And and at the time, the economic times weren't great, and especially in our area here. Mm-hmm. It was it was things were kind of struggling. You know, you're looking at it, it's 1992, 93, some of that area. Um, it was it wasn't the easiest play market to get into, yeah. and I didn't know what the hell I was yeah. going to do. And I actually thought I was going to go go maybe go play hockey again. And it was just I spent a good year of just spinning my tires. Yeah, and you know what really resonated with me when you said it, it abruptly came to an end. And I think, you know, my career, although I was only at that at I was at the varsity level, whereas I knew it would be coming to an end. And playing a little bit after that, but then having some some medical issues and and knees and and that type of thing, all of a sudden it was over. And then how do we fill that void, right? And, and and so there's a piece around that identity as well, because growing up, it was about the sport and we were known for that sport. And then all of a sudden we're trying to carve out a new identity for ourselves. And what does that look like? And what does, what do you mean we have to go out now? It's about careers and business, right? Yeah. And, and so I think that's part of that transition of really trying to find ourselves all over again in some cases too. Mm-hmm. You know, it's absolutely true. And, and you know, trying to re- reinvent yourself. Yes, but but yes. at the same time, um, part of it is is having confidence that you develop. Mm-hmm. So one of the things that I, like I, I mentioned before, when I, I went through the process, you know, play, playing in, in Europe, I was playing in England and it was really good hockey, probably underrated in a lot of ways. But the reality was like on Wednesday nights, we drove the Zamboni. Like, it's not like it wasn't, you know, after practice, we had to drive the Zamboni once in a while. So it wasn't like I was playing for the the Chicago Blackhawks or Montreal Canadiens. We were there playing for the love of it, and we were getting paid a little bit of cash to do it. Mm -hmm. But it was a way to prove yourself to to yourself. You know, Mm -hmm. a lot of the guys Mm -hmm. I was playing with, some of them had college careers and some of them had minor pro careers. And in the league, there was 30 guys who had played NHL. 
you know, and so there was a real, you could gauge yourself against these guys that had long careers. You go, I'm better than this guy. <laughs> but we were always there striving for something. So when you get home and you come back, you got to start that all over again. Yeah. You know, you have to prove that you you have value to people. Like everybody's mm-hmm. got a university mm-hmm. degree. Yeah. You know, there's a lot of people like you come home thinking oh, it's going to be easy. It's not easy. Yeah. Um, you got to set yourself apart and, and prove what you're, you know, how you're valuable to somebody when you're starting your career. And, right. and I think having that ability to do that and then factor in not only being competitive but also being a team person you know and and being a team first so whatever you're doing to make the the entity that you're working with or playing with better and having that mentality of being a team and it just starts to filter down into every association you have in your life Mm -hmm. Um, I think it makes you a better um, asset to any company if if you're that person and those are those the those transferable skills that we're talking about right Mm -hmm. it's that team player it's being that team player it's being focused it's being competitive um and and a lots of hard work and really working under working well under pressure right. all of the time right and transferring that now into this what we call our our new role and, yeah. and carving that out and what does that look like yeah doesn't no, it for sure there was a period of time when rhino so if you picture rhino um was a, a bag business that i had um you buy a bag you fill it up with a ton and a half of junk and we come and take it away it mm-hmm. started in my garage and we we took it national in canada within a year and a half and mm-hmm. did the dragons den and all that kind of stuff and and we end up selling it to the into the u.s but before that happened um 2008 was a pretty miserable time we were about to go national in the u.s um my angel investor locally had sort of tapped out he wasn't really willing to put any more money into the situation unless we grew it which was understandable um and and so I was looking for investors to help me. We had a deal with 1-800-GOT-JUNK that we were going to launch in the U.S. with Lowe's. Um, but we were looking for more funding. And so we were going to do a get involved in an IPO with a, a bunch of Italian guys in Toronto. Hard to believe in the waste business there would be Italian guys involved. But um, <laughs> so they we, we were, they were going to do an IPO. It was kind of, and we were going to be kind of the sexy piece of it. Well, before Lehman Brothers went down, um, our IPO fell apart. And we end up having a really dicey situation that came out of it. And it was a point where it was almost extortion what was going down. And we actually had to sneak all of our inventory out and, you know, get it out of a warehouse. It was it was really kind of dodgy. And um, to have the resilience to be able to fight through all that mm-hmm. when someone's mm-hmm. doing something that's incredibly shady and illegal yes. and has you yeah. sort of over a barrel, um, which could have brought our whole company down in one fell swoop. And to be able to have the resourcefulness like with my team, not and I'm not just saying myself. I had a small team of three, four people, and, and we were able to pull off a. We still call it Ocean's 14 that we managed <laughs> to get out of there, um, and and out of that the phoenix out of those ashes was that we ended up walking into a deal with waste management the largest waste company in the world and doing a deal and taking that company to be bagster now which is you know in mm-hmm. 48 states yeah. and everywhere around mm-hmm. so you know it, it was it was kind of it's funny to think of that day when you know we're loading up five transport trailers in a hurry to get it out of there before our stuff was locked yeah. down yeah and having a you know something simple like a, a forklift breakdown and you know we couldn't get the forklift to work and we ended up finding a mouse trap with a little spring to hook the throttle back up to it those kind of things was just you know i'll never forget it, it no was, no and and really a lot of that it's not can we do it? it's 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 how are we going to do it yeah. right the, that there is no no that's right? right and you're going 
to go go ahead and do that. Yeah. And I think that, you know, I certainly have not been involved in uh, something like that. But I think even for me, in terms of resurrecting my consulting business and, and thinking that I can be successful in, in this Absolutely. part of my business and because of the tools and because of the, the things that I've acquired, Previously, and having been involved in sport, mm-hmm. right, and 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 that resilience and that focus and that uh, flexibility and being adaptable right. to all of those things, and so I think we're, we we un, it's unconscious that we use all of those, but how do we make be more aware of those going in mm-hmm. and, and using them in that respect? And it attracts so, you to people with like minded. Yeah, you absolutely. Know? So you find people that are. are have that factor mm-hmm, in them mm-hmm. that you appreciate. You know, yeah. I, I'm a guy that I'm working with now. He's um, the, the chairman of our board, and he was one of the first um, cannabis um, producers in Canada. Um, you know, he had a, a coup at the board level, and he, you know, he was squeezed out. And um, don't cry for him; he did quite well. But you know, I would have probably gone off on a boat somewhere for six months. And he's resurrected and created another mm-hmm, global company. Mm-hmm. And you know, having that resilience and that faith in his own talents is and you're attracted to people like that Mm -hmm. and you see what you know like you said you know where you came from and how you built your company out from there it's it's you attract other people that are like-minded yeah. because of that. Yeah. And it takes one nut, right, to create a movement. That's right. right? But it takes a second nut to follow the first follow nut. Follow the first <laughs> and to build that. And yeah. I think it's about our values, right? And I think that it is similar. And, and we're all different. We have different experiences and, and different expertise. But I think there's similarities in terms of those values. Mm-hmm. And, and and I think that that's what resonates with me in, in terms of those like-minded uh, people For that sure. we surround ourselves with. Yeah. And I think that's part of being... Uh, initially part of that team in sport Mm -hmm. and I think that when we gravitate to whatever we're doing in business we gravitate to situations that are similar to that perhaps and I know from from my perspective now in in working more on my own and not part of a, a daily team that there's a void there uh, for sure. And so now with my clients, I fill that void with that, that team approach when sure. I'm doing work for them. Yeah, absolutely. Right. So it's, it's interesting that those skills that once we hang on to them and, and carry through with those, that they stay with us mm-hmm. and that they're ever present. But I think it's, it's more on a, on a subconscious level. But knowing in a consulting role, like you are um, knowing how to trigger events inside of a group dynamic. Yes. Right? And that comes from being in a team, mm-hmm. being able to interact with people mm-hmm. effectively so that they can get the best of themselves. Um, it's like being a captain in a, in a hockey right. team. There's no difference. No, that's and, right. And, um, you know, being being inclusive um, and, and not, uh, you know, pushing someone outside of a circle. And it happens in companies all the time. Yes. You see someone that yeah. gets isolated mm-hmm. and then the performance flag and eventually you're having to spend a whole bunch of money and resources and trying to replace that person that's right. where it could have been easily uh, solved with inclusiveness and coaching yeah right. and that's interesting because i just finished up with a client and and it was around respectful behavior assertive communication and and how do we treat one another in the workplace because the cost to replace that individual mm-hmm. is great uh, compared to being able to keep them and, and deal with those issues. Yep. And oftentimes people don't leave, well, most times people don't leave an organization because of the company. 
they leave because of an individual that's and true. whether that's someone in a leadership yeah. role. Right. And so I think that that really for me is to be able to go in and, and help those organizations help have difficult conversations mm-hmm. around those things. Then they've got someone that they can sort of make this put put someone else in place to be able to do that. And whereas they don't have to do it and, and, and sort of take the blame on that. Right. You know, the whole idea of resilience. So, you know, Ken Clement, who is I'm working with now, um, who also owns the Wellington Dukes and he's become a partner and, and a friend. One of the things that attracted me to him was his resilience. You know, he's a guy who, who started the third LP in Canada, licensed producer of cannabis, and and was squeezed out of out of um, by a, a coup at the board level, more or less. Mm-hmm. And you know, like I mentioned before, he's probably one of those guys that could have easily just went out and sat on a yacht. Yeah. Um, but now he's taken his company. You know, we've created a valuation that's probably pushing into half a billion dollars within a year and a half. And you know, it's all about just hard work and resilience. The guy flies all over the world, you know, works harder than anyone I know travel-wise. And, uh, you know, it's all about having belief in, in what he's doing. And, and that resilience has has brought a team, including myself mm-hmm. and some other guys that, you know, could be doing something on their own. But you're attracted to that. You're yes. attracted to being part of it. Yeah. It's like flies to a light in a, mm-hmm. you know, you see a guy like that's willing to put everything on the line. Um, you want to be there and work hard for mm-hmm. him. And uh, that's, it's, it's been an interesting ride with him as well. You know, it's a complete, uh, you know, between when I did my rhino bag thing, um, I was, I got involved in a nutraceutical company. Uh, we did, a, it was a startup again. We went through the, we took an IPO and it was um, a really interesting, I learned a lot. Um, not the point where everybody made a whole lot of money off mm-hmm. of it, but was, we learned a lot and it led us into where we are now and um, I was attracted immediately to Ken who was a hockey guy you know he was a he was a fighter um, back in the day in in BC and and uh, you know he just continues to fight Uh, he's like a a dog on a bone at the time you know and that's like I said you're attracted to those people absolutely okay so I've got five questions and um, we're going to take about 90 seconds and uh, you can just first thing that comes to mind okay pass it no (laughs) (laughs) well i was pretty definite about that no yeah if you want to okay favorite hobby favorite hobby um hockey okay yeah that's too easy that's too easy that's interesting okay three words that you would use to describe yourself um determined um Probably easygoing, a little mm-hmm. too much at times, maybe. Okay. Yeah. All right. And what's the first thing you do in the morning? Um, tea with lemon, green tea with lemon. Okay. And uh, usually um, maybe a smoothie, but usually green tea with lemon okay. right away. All right. First things first. Yeah. Okay. And what would be, if somebody gave you a compliment, what would it be? Probably being easy to get along with most of the time. I think. I think I'm. Um, I get. I'm. I'm. I understand. I, I think I empathize well. Mm-hmm. So, um, and I listen fairly well. I try to stop myself from talking at times. So, um, but I do think I listen fairly well. Good. So that'd be it. Okay. And when are you most productive? When am I most productive? I have periods where I'm more and less. I'm. A, I'm. I'm not the greatest morning guy. I do okay. Um, probably afternoons, I do really well. Mm-hmm. And and sometimes, again, later in the evening, too, I, I do well. Okay. So I get a lot accomplished. And I think it's more to do with 
no distractions. Good. Okay. Randy, thanks so much for being here today and Thank for you. having the conversation with us. And, uh, uh, you know, I appreciate all of your insight and, and what you're working on. And uh, I think it's it's it really proves that that transition from sport to business and, and a lot of those skills that we take with us, that you've certainly been successful in doing that. So thank you. Oh, thank you. Thank you.